It is the first Sunday of 2024. As I told Jimmy when I walked in this morning, I hadn't seen y'all since last year. So it's good to see you. Um, I know that's an old joke. Uh, actually, the funny thing is, there's a friend of mine in our association who's a former pastor. We both have a similar sense of humor, and I had to call him this week. When I called him, I was getting ready to say I hadn't seen you since last year, and he beat me to it. So use it on somebody. You can do it for another week or so. It'll be legal. But uh, uh, we are excited about coming and working with you through these days and uh, walking through this year of Sundays together. But uh, first Sunday of the new year, we're excited. Um, I decided today to start a little different from usual, actually very different from usual, because I'm curious, how many of you all have heard the name or know the name of one of our uh, preeminent Southern Baptist evangelists, Junior Hill? How many of you know have heard Junior? Raise your hand if you've heard of Junior. Bless your heart. Go to YouTube after the service. Watch a message. Brother Junior was 80, 87 years old and went to heaven this week uh, down in Alabama from his home in Alabama. So be praying for his wife and family. But uh, Junior was, actually, I'm tell you a quick Junior story before I do what I'm, I plan to do here. Heard him one time speaking, precious brother, but uh, great sense of humor. And um, he said one time he was flying home from a meeting back home to Alabama, <clears throat> and his wife was having surgery the next day, and he had to get there in time for the surgery. So the next morning after he spoke, he flying home, was flying home. The pilot came on the intercom and said, uh, sorry, there are thunderstorms over the, our airport, so we're going to have to divert you to Mobile. I think he's flying to Birmingham. I had to divert him to Mobile. He said, and then you'll just have, we'll, we'll get you home from there. And Junior said, I'm not going to make it home to see my wife. And I'm, he's in trouble already. He can just sense it. So he had the flight attendant bring him a piece of paper. And he, <laughs> he said, I promise you, I wrote down every bad word I'd ever heard. And I signed my name to him. Now, I'd like to see that piece. No, I wouldn't like to see the piece of paper. But that's Junior, just a funny sense of humor. But uh, in memory of Brother Junior, there's a story that will kind of start the sermon off well today, but um, a little longer of a piece of humor that I'm used to using. But in, in honor of our brother, uh, hang on for just a moment. You may have heard this before. It's not a new story. I heard him tell it a couple times through the years. But uh, it's about a young seminary graduate who's looking for his first church. Okay? Now, this is... A joke, okay? Just make sure everybody knows this, okay? Looking for his first church. <clears throat> a pulpit committee, well, about pulpit committees, pulpit committee met with him and uh, had an interview with him as a student, and the committee gathered together. The chairman began the questioning, saying, young man, do you know the Bible? We just want to know. The young man said, yes, sir. I know the Bible from front to back. Another said, do you, do you know the parables of Jesus? He said, yes, I do. And all the parables, stories in the New Testament. Another committee member said, well, then take just a moment and tell us one of the parables of Jesus. Let's say the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so he did. And it went like this. There's the man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Went down to Jericho by night and he fell among stony ground. And the thorns rose up and choked him nearly half to death. And he said, what shall I do? Then he said, I shall arise and go to my father's house. And he arose and climbed up in a sycamore tree. <laughs> Next day, Solomon and his wife, Gomorrah, came by. And they carried him down to the ark so that Moses could take care of him. And as he was going, 
through the eastern gate toward the ark, he caught his hair in a limb, and he hung on that limb for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, my favorite part, and afterward, he was hungered. And the ravens, they came and fed him. Next day, three wise men came and carried him down to Nineveh. <clears throat> when he got there, he found Delilah sitting up on the wall. And he said, cried out, chunk her down, boys. And they said, how many times shall we chunk her down? Under seven times? And he said, nay, but unto 70 times seven. And friends, they chunked her down 490 times. And then she burst asunder in their midst. And they picked up 12 baskets of her fragments. And they asked him, Lord, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Public committee chairman smiled and said, folks, I think we ought to call this young man. I know he's young, but he sure knows his Bible. I've always wanted to use that story, but never have until today. So please forgive me for inflicting that upon you. <laughs> but it brings to mind the question, are we really familiar with this book we're reading from and praying from and preaching from this morning? If so, we need to really pay attention because, as the title of the sermon says, we need this year especially to be listening actively to the Lord of the new year, and that is Jesus Himself. Question I've been asked often is uh, how often does God speak to us? A new Christian asked me this years ago. And I said, Well, I think safe to say, anytime we read or remember any verse of Scripture, anytime we're hearing the Lord's leading through the Scriptures in prayer, He's speaking to us. Or really, He can speak to us anytime He wants to, but especially the primary way He speaks to us is through the Bible. The question is, could, could it be that God is always speaking to us and we only hear when we're paying attention to him? Here at the conclusion of a year and start of a new year, something I try to do every year, did it back in mid-December, is to get away for a couple of days of retreat just to listen. I just get away by myself. Uh, this year I, went, I was in Rocky Mount doing some training with the church and Got an Airbnb and just camped out for a day, listening, reading scripture, praying, sitting still, preparing for the new year ahead. Today, and even this week and in these days, I'd encourage you to use some moments like that, especially today as we spend some time in the Lord's Word, to review where you are and where the Lord would have you go in 2024, personally as well as as a church. I mean, you need to be praying that yourself, asking God to help you in that yourself. And you as a church need to be doing that on your own, and in, uh, together, not on your own, but uh, together as a congregation. Excited to hear about the prayer walk next Sunday. I'll be here, okay? And just so you know, we're gonna be, I'm going to be mobilizing some of our prayer partners across the association to join you in praying next Sunday at 9 a.m., okay? So some strange-looking people show up with me I'll be who some of them are, okay? I'll be one of the strange-looking people, but we'll have some others, maybe. But for sure, though, we'll be praying together as we meet next Sunday. But for today, I really believe that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is ready to lead us as we listen to Him for direction. Each new day, He provides by His grace. 
So today, here's a different kind of thing about this sermon. So today, really encourage you to listen. And when you hear something, if you have a pen and paper, if you don't find some, jot it down. If you see a scripture reference, I'll be giving you a pretty good number of scripture references here this morning. If you hear some of them, jot them down if one really gets your attention. It was, it was, and it's amazing. Uh, praise the Lord for the way he puts worship together. And thankful for the team as we went, met this morning to worship together earlier. Uh, did you notice, especially in the video right, right, at, right during the off story time, or before the off story time, no, it was during the off story, during that time, uh, how many passages of Scripture were listed up on the screen? Over. There's at least three with every slide. That wasn't an accident, folks, and we didn't plan that. But you're going to be getting some more this morning, okay? So the point is, let's listen to the Lord today. And then we're going to give some instructions as we get closer to the end of the message on how you can apply what we've heard and what you've heard so that we can walk through 2024 in a faithful, obedient way. But to start with, our text for today that we're just going to leave up on the screen, next slide, is from John 15, verses 7 through 11. Curious, how many of you have done the study Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby? Raise your hand. There you go. Good. Some good Experiencing Godders. Okay. Good. We uh, uh, have done that numerous times in churches I've served with uh, when it's first released, back when I was pastoring in Lenore. Uh, we did that, and God really used that study to bring a season of revival to our church outside of Lenore. Outside of Lenore. Um, but one of the focal passages that Henry Blackaby uses in experiencing God is John chapter 15. So today we're looking at verses 7 through 11 of John 15 as we begin together. So, follow along. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, but follow along as we hear these words from God's Word. And then, if you have your Bible open, encourage you to leave it open there and then go elsewhere as we go in different places during the service. Starting in verse 7, listen to this word from God to us today. John 15, 7. Jesus speaking says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Just finished uh, Advent to Epiphany. Epiphany, the, when you remember when the wise men came, that was yesterday. Uh, one of the prayers that was in this guide I used over the last month or so uh, especially fits this moment. It's a prayer for illumination as we read and study the Scripture. So, Join me as I lift this prayer up. Actually, St. Augustine, a couple thousand years ago, uh, penned this prayer, but it's been adapted for us today. So let's pray this together as we continue to worship. Almighty God, enter our hearts and so fill us with your love, Lord, that forsaking all evil desires, we may embrace you, our only good Show unto us for your mercy's sake, O Lord our God, for you are to us 
Say unto our souls, I am your salvation. So speak that we may hear. Our hearts are before you. Open our ears, Lord. Let us hasten after your voice and take hold of you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Before we get into the rest of this, a little extra note, how the Lord brings things together. I've last over the last month, a word that has been coming to mind regularly. Actually, I have it written in my journal. Journal's at home on my desk, but rewrote it in my journal today. Three words came to me over preparation for Christmas. Trust the mystery. Trust the mystery. Now, I don't remember hearing the word mystery in worship that really often at all, especially not recently. But did y'all, have y'all heard that word today? Hello. You think that got Bob's attention this morning? First you said, mystery. I said, whoa, who said that? <laughs> now, that's actually, we wrestle with that. Here's the challenge. When we're reading the scriptures and we're hearing from God, you know some real truth here? Sometimes it doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't, and that's okay. So one of our challenges is we think we have to understand everything. <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, remember I used to think I was, before the Lord called me to ministry, I used to think I was going to be a medical doctor. Yes, write that down. No, write it down. Medical doctor, okay? And then the Lord called me to the ministry, and I'm so glad because I went to college and realized what microbiology was. Yeah, where's, where's David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd have flunked. I would never have made it through all that. The Lord knew. See? I didn't know, but the Lord knew. And the Lord was leading and trying to direct old Bob around what I didn't, didn't need to do so I could go where he wanted me to go. That was a mystery, until the Lord made it clear. And that's exactly how it works. He wants us to trust his mystery. Uh, Tell me, we just talked about God becoming man. That's one of the greatest mysteries that we still don't get. But that's okay. Why? Because he became man. Don't ask Bob to explain it. I can't. Except for the fact that he did it, and I believe it. And I trust him. Right? Right? So that's kind of a forerunner for everything we're talking about today as we look at this text and other texts together stepping into this new year. Now, in the text, John 15, my translation, CSB, uses the word remain. Earlier translation, CSB, King James, others, use the word abide, okay? Both basically the same, but don't let that word, that word of those words throw you for a curveball, okay? They're not to be confusing, This isn't about emotion. This isn't about an experience. This is about a fixed reality. Jesus is speaking to people who belong to him. He's speaking to us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. You don't have to worry about him sending you off somewhere else. You're his, okay? In that context, he says, remain in me. Actually, it was James Stewart, who said, not the actor, but the theologian, who said, uh, the key to knowing what it means to be a Christian is to realize that we are to live life in 
Christ. Now, again, that's one of those mysteries. How do you explain that? Live life, and you'll see what it means. Trust the Lord. Jesus is saying here, true disciples are connected to me. Now, he's saying, abide in me, remain in me, get your life from me, live out life connected to me. Now, the context of these verses here in John chapter 15, we talked about Blackaby and experiencing God. This goes back to Jesus saying in the first verse, I'm the true vine, my father's the gardener, and you're the branches of the vine. We, the branches of the vine. He's saying in this chapter, stay connected to me. Don't get separated. Stay connected. Don't separate yourself. He's not going to kick us out if we're in him. Get your life from him like a branch does from a vine or a tree. A branch only remains alive if life flows from the trunk or the vine to the branch connected to it. So our key to life, our key to listening, our key to being who God's called us to be is that we stay connected to Jesus, listening for him. But not just listening, hearing and doing what he's called us to do. Remembering his words to us, practicing what we've learned from him. The life of Jesus flows through every Christian. Apart from him and his life, as he says in John 15, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. Because of his life working in us, we can face each day, we can face each temptation and overcome it. We can live the Christ life trusting and obeying him. And when we mess up, guess what? We go running back to him. It's like a child goes running back to daddy. We kept our grandkids Friday and their mom and dad said, can you keep them overnight after they got to the house? Right? It's a trap. It was a trap. But we did. But Ellie, our two and a half year old, she's been sick a lot lately. She's fine this weekend, but now this is what your grandparents get this. Ellie now, I'll just put it this way. My job is to hold Ellie. And if we get up in my study, she's drawing or playing, her brother's in there playing. Uh, if we're getting ready to walk out, she turns around. See, here's the neat thing. Her mom did the same thing. But anytime she gets on the floor, I'm standing up. What's next? And then to make it even worse, I pick her up. And what's she been doing the last week or two? I pick her up and she instantly lays her head on my shoulder and starts patting my shoulder. Folks, that's a drug. That's good, you know? You understand. It's sweet, it's precious. But that's about, she comes running back, and when she gets in trouble, she'll come running back. Folks, that's how we need to live. That's how we need to live. Look again at verse 7, John 15. Jesus says, If my words remain in you, meaning if we remember and practice his words to us, If we really listen and apply what he says, then, well, no blessing. Okay, look again at verse 10. Now, here's here's where it gets sweet. He says, if you keep my commands, you do what I say, you'll remain in my love. You'll stay close to me. You'll know my fellowship. You'll know my blessing. If we do what he says, we'll remain with him in his love, just like he did what his father said and remained in his father's love. Jesus set the example for us. He kept the Father's commands. He remained in his love. And we need to do the same as we step into this new year. 
Jesus says in verse 11, I've told you these things. Now, get this. Verse 11, I've told you these things. What things? The words he's spoken to us. What has he spoken to us? Take them all. That's it. He's spoken to us these things. Why? Why has he spoken to us the words he's spoken to us recorded in Scripture? Verse 11, so that his joy may be in us. Get this. And our joy in him may be complete. Other translation, perfect. That's some good joy. You know? We struggle for finding some peace and joy in the world. Folks, it's right there. Listen to Jesus. Do what he says and you'll experience it. You'll know it. You'll have it. If we want to know the joy of the Lord, we need to listen to what he says to us and then do something about it. We've all heard many sermons. We've read many Bible passages. We've learned Bible verses. We've gained insight from God's word in a variety of ways through the years. And if you've been around as long as I have, you've heard thousands of sermons. Some good, some not so good. I don't know where this one is. It's up to the Lord, okay? But, but we've heard them, and we've heard the word. The challenge with moving toward Christian maturity, however, hang on to this, is not in knowing a lot of truth or having years of Bible study in our experience. And that's a problem we faced in the church for too long. We've equated knowledge gained, knowledge gained with maturity. Meaning, the more you know, the more mature you are, right? That's why once the older someone gets, we say, oh, well, he's, he's getting wise in his older years. You know, I hate hearing that kind of thing, but here we are. Okay, you know, every once in a while, maybe you hear that. But biblically speaking, that's not what Christian maturity looks like. Christian maturity, hang on, does not come from information gained and knowledge acquired. Christian maturity comes from knowledge gained, lesson learned, and applied to our living as in obedience. So Christian maturity isn't knowledge-based, it's obedience-based. So how are we doing with obedience as we step into 2024? Again, if you've been around nearly as long as I have, even half the amount of time I have been, you've heard a lot. What are we doing with that? What are we doing with that knowledge we've gained? Are we satisfied with just knowing what Jesus has said, or are we committed to doing what Jesus said? And James 1.22 says it. We've already referenced it. Here, here's, the, the, here's the verse. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the word. Hearing and doing. Hearing and acting. Hearing and responding. I remember, Satan and his demons, they know the Bible and they know who Jesus is. They know. They knew before anybody else did. And when Jesus told the demons to be quiet, they were saying who he was. Jesus told them, well, told them in the spirit, silence. And they were quiet. They know who he is, but they don't believe in him. One survey several years ago asked people who said they were Bible-believing Christians here in the United States, <clears throat> asked them out of what they know from Scripture. I don't know how the verse... Uh, the, Questions were worded exactly, but here's what they were getting at. Out of all that they knew from Scripture, what percentage of that knowledge did they actually do or obey? Okay, so I can put that to you. Think about it. Out of everything you know from the Bible, how much of that, percentage-wise, do you actually practice? 
do. The group they surveyed here in the U.S., about 1,000 people several years ago, Christians said, and I say this is a generous answer, that they would say they would obey, they obeyed 70 to 80% of what they knew. Well, that sounds almost passable, doesn't it? But think about it. How would you feel if your children, when they were growing up, gave you a 70 to 80% obedience rating? I know, just looking after two preschoolers this weekend. Goodness, if they got 40% they're doing, well, they're better than that. We'll say 65%. Okay? But still, that's not good. Lord expects better from us. So as we look back on the year that's just passed and look forward to 2024, how are we doing in obeying what Jesus has said to us? How are we doing in obeying just what we heard this past year from the Lord? So now it's time to start writing some things down here. Let's review some of the lessons the Lord spoke to us in the Gospels and some of the words he gave us, even our text today. And let's see how we're doing. Okay? Take note and let's learn from these lessons so that 2024 will be more in line with obedience in our living. So first, from our text today, Jesus said, verse 15, verse 15, I'm sorry, John 15, he says, abide in me or remain in me. Stay close to me, Jesus is saying. How are we doing with that? Are we staying close to the Lord? As I got ready for the new year, one thing I do, I've been doing the last several years, is keeping a journal. And it's in a book basically this size, notebook, page a day. First page is for Bible study, notes, etc. I'll stick out the pages in if I need to. Second page, the back of that sheet is my prayer list and what I pray about that day. It's just a habit I've gotten into in the last several years. But I was looking at those notebooks. I've got two-inch notebooks. I end up putting them. I take them out of the little small binder, put them in the two-inch binders. Hang on, I'm going somewhere with this. So I'm looking. I had to order a new one for 2024. Filled up the last one for 2023. And I was looking back at my shelves. I'm thankful to say I'm running out of space. And what do you do when you run out of space for books? You get more bookshelves. Because that's just just tidbit there. But anyway, I've got to find a place to put these. But I was looking, and this, this past year, I had three two-ring binders full of my journal notes. year before that, I had two two-ring binders, two-inch binders. year before that, I think it was two. Last year, we just had two. year before that, I had one. What does this mean? It means Bob's doing better journaling as he gets older. But it also means, I'll just tell you, it means I was spending less time with the Lord in those earlier years. That got my attention this week. Lord, am I spending the kind of time I need with you? And don't, I may have said this to you before, let's say it again. Sometimes we, we try to convince ourselves that if I just spend some quality time, like three good minutes with the Lord in the morning. Yeah, that's great. Well, if, if that's all you can do, start there, Okay. But I've found now that if I'm not doing 45 minutes to an hour with the Lord in the morning, I'm going to blow something during the day. That's me, okay? I don't know how early you get up. I don't know if you're a night owl or, or an early bird. really doesn't matter. Pick a time. It can be at night. Spend time with the Lord. 
Abide in him. Trust the mystery. I said a minute ago. And just listen. Just read. Think. Stay close. How do we do that? We pray. We practice prayer. Prayer is our primary means of abiding in the Lord. By communing and communicating with the Lord in prayer, we stay close to him. And when we're prone to wander, which is often, prayer brings us back into his presence and into his correction. So find ways in this new year to increase your time with the Lord. Praying, time in scripture. A friend of mine likes to call it soaking in the word. Just open your Bible. Well, I like to do it. Open my Bible, open my journal, get a cup of coffee or tea, whatever's your preference, and just sit in the Lord's presence. Amazing what you'll hear if you take the time to listen. You'll find yourself closer to Jesus than you thought possible if you'll spend quantity time with him in prayer. Promise. Take it to the bank. Okay? Later in John 15, Jesus says, This is my command. Love one another as I've loved you. Love is our goal. Love is our motivation to care for others. And here's the truth. If we love God as we ought, the love that we have for him will cause an increase in love for others. And another thing, too, if you pray for others, your love for them will increase. You'll think about it more. I've been praying for one of our pastor's wives who's been dealing with cancer the last year. And I found the more I mentioned Plin and Chin Su, their Montagnard, the more I mention them in prayer, the more I think about them. The more I want to contact them and see how she's doing. She's not doing well right now. But the Lord's taking care of them and guiding them through these days. But God's given me a love for them that I didn't have a year ago because I've been praying for them more often. That's not me. That's God at work. And he wants us to be loving one another like that. Okay. Next, Matthew 26. Jesus knows us. Told his, his disciples in Matthew 26, 41. Mark that one down. Matthew 26, 41. Jesus has gone from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. He goes off to pray. What do they do? They're supposed to be over there praying. They fell asleep. Jesus went back, found them asleep, and he said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Take that to the bank. (laughs) Okay? It's the truth. Spirit's willing. And you'll be willing, you'll be ready to do all kinds of stuff, but your flesh will win out too often. Don't let that happen. Listen to Jesus. Watch and pray. I mean, sometimes our greatest opportunities for prayer come just before a great time of trial. So stay close to Jesus. Depending on Him. Letting him lead you toward whatever he's leading you to face and will lead you through. Our spirits are often willing, but our flesh is most definitely weak. So we must watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch for challenges that come. Pray for God's strength to face those challenges with grace and strength. Now, one of the reasons I'm using that word in that text today is during my retreat last month, when I was away for that coast couple days, getting ready for the year. One of the things I, I like to do is I'll prayerfully think, read scripture, pray, and ask the Lord for a text for the new year, Bible text, and a word for the new year. Last year's word was follow. 
That's the word I had to, and I, all year long, almost every day, I wrote it in my journal. Follow, and it means follow Jesus. Watch what Jesus is doing and follow him. This year's word, came to me last month, is watch. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I realized that's what I need to focus on this year, it scared me a little. What am I watching for, Lord? You know? Because in script, I started to look at the scripture. What, what, what do the scriptures talk about watching? There are more texts in scripture to talk about watching for evil than for good. So I need to be alert to what the enemy's doing. Be ready to stand and, with the armor of God to face that and do it successfully. I also need to watch for where God's at work. What the Lord told the prophet. Uh, watch, because I'm going to do something in your day that you wouldn't believe if you were told. That's good. That's positive. I also need to be watching for who around me God's sending me to engage with and minister to. Every day, we need to be asking the Lord that. Lord, who are you going to put in my path today? You know, we talk about everybody being our neighbor. You know, that's our, our go-to, right? Who's your neighbors? Everybody. You know that's the lazy answer, right? Do you know everybody? Everybody. There are 1.2 million people in Mecklenburg County. I don't know half of them, right? But I know who God's going to send across. Well, I don't know, but God's going to send certain people across my path today. Oh, you all are in my path today. I hope I don't do anything bad. But we're in one of those paths today. Who are you going to see tomorrow? Maybe that clerk I keep seeing at Lowe's Foods in Harrisburg. What does the Lord want me to do in his life? Especially the more I learn about him. I don't know. But the Lord wants me to be watching so that I can serve him as I need to and share the gospel as I need to. Watch. Watching what he's doing, watching for temptation, watching how he'd have me to serve. Staying alert as I live and serve, watching for ways to trust and obey the Lord. Ask me. I don't know where the Lord's leading you this year. That's one of the things I have to focus on. Another text. Jesus said in Matthew 16. I'm, I'm intentionally not giving you some of, the, some of the addresses of some of these verses. That we have to look at the whole chapter. Then you'll find it. Okay? Sorry, that's just a preacher trick. Okay? But Matthew 16 Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, what do we do? Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Luke says, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Think about those words from Jesus. We'll find our lives, the lives God wants us to live and have, if we deny ourselves to trust and obey him. That's where we'll find the life he wants for us. Well, this is what blows my mind. We will have no idea how amazingly blessed our lives can be unless we lose our lives to follow Jesus. We won't see it. We're trying to do our thing. Uh, don't do your thing. Deny yourself. It's one of the things George Mueller said in England years ago, well, 150 years ago or so, when he was looking for God's will, Mueller said, if you want to discern God's will, think about it, something, what you're wanting to do or what you're wanting to discover, and take every thought that you want to see happen related to that situation and put it away. Uh, I'm getting all my stuff out of the way. And then once you clear the table, ask God, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? And trust the Lord to show the way. Deny yourself, follow him. I mean, just think about it. Let your mind go for a second. 
What might God do? What might God do in 2024? If just those of us in this room, I'll forget that. If just half of us in this room decide which half, okay? If 50% of us denied ourselves in a new way, took up our cross as we need to, and followed Jesus in 2024, what might God do? Folks who've been praying for revival in the church and spiritual awakening in the culture, I'm convinced that if we just obeyed that verse, we'd see, we would be seeing revival in the church. Remember, it was Louis Drummond that said years ago that people talked about praying 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people were humble by my name, humble by my name, will, will hum, excuse me, if my people who follow me, okay, somebody knows the verse, good, will deny them, hang on, give me a second. I don't have this in my notes. <clears throat> you know the verse? will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, God said, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay? Drummond said, people think that's what you pray to experience revival. He said, no, no. If you're praying that, you are experiencing revival. Think about that. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm looking for more revival than that. But no, revival starts with you and me. And it can come to the church. But folks, revival is an individual thing. It has to start with us individually. And then God blesses and blesses and blesses. So, what might God do if we did what Jesus said to do? Go to another verse, Luke 10, 2. <clears throat> As Jesus sent out his disciples on mission, he said to them, the harvest is abundant. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, send everybody else out on an evangelism trip. No, it doesn't say that. That's a good idea, but don't do it yet, okay? He says, harvest is abundant, workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. In 2024, we must be praying that the Lord will send out workers into the harvest around us and around the world. Because when we ask him to do this, he does it. Carl and I came to Charlotte 26 years ago this month to pastor. And then we led a prayer ministry. Then we came to the association 18 years ago. <clears throat> but we came to Charlotte. We came to Mecklenburg County because God specifically called us here. It was my first time I'd experienced a call to a place instead of a church. We both were saying, God wants us to go down there. We were in the mountains. We love the mountains by the way. But the Lord said, go. And when both of us heard it, we knew we had to listen. So we did. Folks, the needs are so great. And he's still sending when we ask him to sin. Remember this, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said these verses. The harvest then was abundant. The workers then were few. The harvest is still abundant. The workers are still Few. So, Lord, send out workers. Send us out. Our International Mission Board has been emphasizing over the last few years the fact that the world's greatest problem is lostness. People apart from Christ. 59% of the world's population is considered unreached today. Here's one thing Dr. Chitwood at IMB has been saying recently, regularly, the last few years. Almost every message I've heard him give. 
100, over 158,000 people die every day apart from Jesus. Let that sink in. Over 158,000 people will die today who don't know Jesus. 3,072 unreached and unengaged people groups are still out there. That means unreached means there's not an active missionary work working with them. Unengaged means, or both words mean, not an active missionary work with them, and less than 2% of of that population is Christian. Folks, that's a lot of people. Connect Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke 10 with Matthew 28. Matthew 28, last few verses, the Great Commission. Jesus said, go, make disciples of all nations. He gave us our mission statement. Actually, I tell our churches when I'm working with them on vision statements, mission statement. We already got our mission statement. So what we're going to do about it. And how do we need to word it so it fits us? But Matthew 28, the Great Commission is that statement. In all that we do in the days ahead, the Great Commission needs to be a key focus from our neighborhoods to the nation's. And the interesting thing about our neighborhood in Harrisburg, where we live now, the nations live on that street. They're there. They're here. We don't have to be afraid about it. It's what we're going to do about it. Are we going to reach the nations or not? Okay, jump from Matthew 28 to Matthew 6. Hang on. We're getting somewhere. Jesus is teaching in Matthew 6 not to worry or be anxious but to trust the Heavenly Father who knows our needs. Don't worry about clothing, don't worry about food. Trust the Father. And then he says in verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's true. Jesus said it's still true. I mean, it's easy to fall into the trap of worry and anxiety about our situations, our needs, and more. But folks, Jesus reminded us, and this isn't pie in the sky, this is gospel. That if we focus on him and his plans for us, all our needs will be provided. Now, some people struggle with hearing that because their needs aren't being provided the way they think they need to be met. I understand that. But what do we say to that? Well, we say it first. Trust the mystery. I don't understand it. But God has a plan here, and he'll lead you to that plan if you'll trust him. Each day, yes, has enough trouble of its own, but we trust the Lord who's Lord of all and the provider of all that we have and need. What do you have that God didn't give to you? Nothing. Everything you have, he's provided. Okay, John 14. John 14, just give me the chapter. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Friends, the world hears these words and laughs. Because they don't believe what Jesus says. Do we? Do we believe Jesus? Yes, we trust in him. Charles Spurgeon said, Trust in Christ brings to God greater glory than anything else we can produce. Think about that. Trust. Trusting Jesus. 
We're here to be witnesses of the fact that what Jesus said is true. And we can depend on him, come what may, no matter what, until he either comes again his second time or comes to take us home. And either way, I'm ready. Amen? The older I get, the more I'm ready to say that. When I was 30 years ago, I didn't say that as quick. Yeah, but now, please, Lord. My dad this year has been in heaven for 20 years. Still can't believe it's been 20 years since dad passed away. But, but at least once a month, I think to myself, man, Lord, I'm glad you took him when you did. He couldn't stand it now. Think about, think about what I just said. What would our parents, our grandparents, my great-grandfather, oh my goodness, don't get me started on Presley Costner. He'd be, yeah, he'd be preaching on the corner. Everywhere, everywhere he could go. Oh man, this world is not our home. Right? Then let's not act like it's our home. Let's act like we have a better place to go to because we do. We do. We're watching for Jesus' return. And in the meantime, we're his witnesses in the process. Now, these are just a few things Jesus said to us in his word. There's, I mean, if you want to go over more, we could spend all day and have supper, but you know, we're not going to do that. Think, though, right now. Take a moment now to ask the Lord yourself personally, or what have I heard today, or what verse or verses have you brought to mind that I need to listen to today? And as I was getting ready for a day and just did that myself, I heard more than we have time to talk about right now. And it's where Bob's dropped the ball. Where I didn't do what I knew I was supposed to do. But folks, we serve, praise his name, we serve the God of grace. Who's ready to bring us back in. Say, okay, Bob, I know you dropped it last time. Let's try again. And he'll help you and me every time we ask. Think about what you need to be doing and obeying in 2024. And let me encourage you to write some of them down. Maybe all of them down if you can. And then find our brother, sister in Christ, who's willing and ready to help hold you accountable to those words this year. Now, it's January 7th, okay? And we're at the first of the year. What, what could happen? If each of us did that, found somebody to be our accountability partner this year, and next, in the end of this year, last Sunday of 2024, we met and asked the Lord, Lord, how do, how do we do? Look back at your list. How do we do? I'm convinced he wants us to do that. However he leads you to do it, I think it's something we need to do. Be accountable to his word. Listen to the Lord of the new year. In Luke 11, when a woman said how blessed Jesus' mother was to have borne him, he said, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of the Lord and do what he says. So let's listen to the Lord Jesus today. He's Lord of the new year. He's Lord of every year we face. We can depend on him.
He's watching to see who will listen and follow in the days ahead. You know, just thinking about this message and the task of preaching. I wrestled with this message as, as I was getting ready for it because <clears throat> usually the end of the year, beginning of the year, like now, I'll work on a sermon and think, okay, we're going to kick the year off. And folks, this is the third message I worked on. Okay. Okay, I have this one. Watch. I was getting my word for the year. Watch. Or didn't give me anything fresh or any directional watch. And I'm thinking, but I guess it'll come later. We've got a little bit, but not all of it. Um, third try. The Lord confirmed in several ways that this was the message to bring today. Now, here's the thing, though. If, if this is God's word to us today, I believe it is. That means this message is exactly what God wanted shared at Hopewell Baptist Church this Sunday. That means this message is what God wanted every person in this room to hear today. I'm not doing that. I think the Lord led that toward that. So what are we going to do about it? I believe this happened because you wanted someone to hear this scripture and message today. I hope we want all of us to hear it, but there may be some few that he really wanted to hear it. Today is God's day for you. Are you that person? Have you put off deciding to really follow Jesus up till now? Or are you ready to decide afresh? I'm yours, Lord. 2024 is yours. We're ready to see you work, Lord. I'm praying that today. I pray you'll join me. I've decided, as the old song says, to listen to and follow Jesus. Lord, show us your way today. Help us to make the decision you would have us make so that you might be honored, Lord Jesus, so that we might be in the center of your will this Sunday, trusting you as we walk into this new year this week. Lord, some of us have faced more years than others, but in each one that you give us, Lord, you give us fresh opportunities to hear you, to trust you, to obey you. So, Lord, keep us from wasting this opportunity today and this year. Show us your way, Lord. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that has never made that first-time decision to trust and follow you, may this first Sunday of the year, Lord, be the day they surrender their lives to you by the power of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. And for those of us that need this to come home, Lord, to listen for you and follow you, Help us to do what we need to do to be in the center of your will today. In Jesus' name, amen.